Dear Heavenly Father, once again we come before you on a Sunday morning. And Lord, we're thankful that you never tire of us coming to you in prayer and asking. Because Lord, you're the only one who can give. We ask that we'd be able to worship you in our singing this morning. And that it would be acceptable to you. We pray, Lord, for the special music and for the preaching for the invitation, for the offering. Lord, each part of the service that we would give to you what is rightfully yours. We ask that you would work in our hearts and lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The children dismissed to the toddler and children's churches. And the man that wrote that song knew of what he was speaking because he was a world-renowned singer and was on his way to be, uh, uh, in those days, what we would call now top of the charts and recording artist and all of these things. And he decided he would sing for the Lord, and he did all of his days. And so it's a beautiful hymn and a beautiful message, one we can take to heart. I wish you'd turn with me in your Bibles to the book of 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 2, and by way of context, the, the entire book of Timothy is, the first book of Timothy is Paul writing to Timothy as a young preacher in charge of a large church there in the city of Ephesus, and uh, he is giving him instruction on how to order and to pastor that church and to not be uh, afraid of, of those that would intimidate him or, or possibly uh, move him in, in a wrong direction. And, and uh, the uh, uh, verse 15 of chapter 3 says, But if I tarry long that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. And we are not going to take time to go through the whole book, but I hope to get through most of, of this chapter here. And uh, we uh, have uh, experienced uh, something here in America that happens, oh, every four to eight years that doesn't happen all around the world. And that is the peaceful transition of power. Now, I know the news media would have you believe that Thousands of people were arrested and there's blood running in the streets and things. But those of you that lived in other countries know what I'm talking about. If Vladimir Putin were to go out of power and a new power were to step in, there would be tens of thousands of deaths throughout the Russian Empire because there has to be a purge for the new power to come into being. And in the communist countries, this was always the case. And even under the kings, you study the history of the kings of England, and, and there was untold murder and mayhem as a new dynasty or even a cousin. I mean, they, they did not call Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary without reason as she tried to grab a hold of the reins of the kingdom of England and return it under the domination of the Roman Catholic Church and murdered uh, thousands of preachers and innocent people whose only crime was wanting to pray a prayer that wasn't written in the prayer book. 
and to preach a sermon that wasn't approved by the powers that be. We have those freedoms. They're, they're guaranteed to us. And as, and as turbulent as the, the news media would have us to believe, the last few weeks have been the price of bread hasn't changed. The value of your dollar hasn't changed. The, if you invest in the stock market, you, you have not lost your investments. It's been a quiet transition of power. And uh, 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 my challenge to you and to our church today is we need to pray as we have never prayed before. And that's what Paul was talking about here in 1 Timothy chapter 2. In fact, if you were able to watch or listen to any of the inauguration, uh, it was uh, one of the preachers that led in prayer used this text as the basis of his prayer. And uh, let's just start in verse 1 of chapter 2. It says, I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time, whereunto I am ordained a preacher and an apostle. I speak the truth in Christ and lie not a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and verity. I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. In like manner also that the women adorn themselves in modest apparel, with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broidered hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but that which becometh women professing godliness with good works. Let the woman learn in silence with all subjection, but I suffer not a woman to teach nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. For Adam was first formed, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. Notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith, and charity, and holiness with sobriety. Now, I ask you not to turn off your ears to the Scriptures. I did not write this. God did. And there's a place and a purpose and a reason for this to be in our Bible, and, and it is a connected thought. And the title of this morning's message is simply this, How to Pray for Our Country. We need to pray. But as we learned a little bit in Sunday school, if you're going to approach to God, if you're going to offer prayers to God, and God is going to answer those prayers, your prayers must come to God His way and not your way. If we're going to be heard, if God is going to answer those prayers, we've got to learn to pray for the things that God 
wants to do. And, of course, you have to understand, God's mind does not need to be changed. God does not need to be encouraged to do good, for He is good. God does not need to be encouraged to show His love for us, because He is love. Read the book of 1 John. The problem is our understanding and our perception of God. The problem is sometimes we break that first commandment in thinking that we know a little bit more about the situation than God does. Well, God, I know you're busy and there's no way that you can take care of everything. Oh, wait a minute. Yes, there is. But we pray that way sometimes. I want to challenge you. That's blasphemous. That is accusing God of being less than who he is. And the subject of why a God who is good allows bad things to happen is a different sermon for a different day. And again, our overall context is getting to know God. If you're going to know God, you you need to be able to pray the way he wants you to pray. Now, this is not meant to be a treatise on prayer explaining everything about prayer, but it's interesting how much explanation is here if we'll just look at the words. And we're just going to start in verse 1. We'll work our way through. And I promise you that if you love God, there's nothing in this chapter that will offend you. But if you listen to the world, there's a lot in this chapter that's very offensive. And so we have to be careful that we are listening and understanding What God is teaching. He says, Paul says, I exhort. He says, I am demanding. Uh, This is a, a commandment, we might say. I exhort, therefore, first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Now, if you want to understand your Bible correctly, you need to understand that the closest you will ever get to God. The greatest contact you will ever have with God is prayer. Study the Old Testament tabernacle. The closest that the priest could get to God was the golden altar of incense, which is a picture of our prayers. If you study the armor of God in in Ephesians chapter 6, you put on the whole armor of God and And people just love this picture of taking the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and slashing and hashing the enemy. That's not Bible. Read read the end of the armor of God. It's all prayer and supplication. I've read some people who've written about that passage that make prayer and supplication part of the armor of God. No, that's the purpose. is so that we can pray. Now, how many of you prayed a prayer that God didn't answer? My hand's first one up. I mean, all of us have. Now, is that God's fault or your fault? No, that's God being merciful to us as sinners. Amen. Aren't you glad God didn't answer all your prayer requests? Otherwise, half of you would be fire trucks and uh, 
I don't know what the other half would be, but uh, astronauts or some other uh, strange and unusual thing. If God answered every prayer, we would ruin our lives. And God in His grace and His mercy wants us to understand how to pray, how to talk to Him. Could you imagine trying to get time to talk to the President of the United States? You you pick your president you like the best. But if you could just talk to him, could you just call up the White House and say, Hey, hey, listen, this is uh, Pete Montour. I'd, I'd like to speak to the president for a few moments. Click. How would you get into the switchboard anyway? Uh, the simple truth of the matter is, that's not going to happen. But I can call upon the Creator God of this universe any moment of the day or night. And He hears me. And Paul is telling Timothy, you need to exhort. You, you need to command. You need to talk to the people in this church that you're the pastor of and make them understand that they need to pray. And then he uses four different terms here. The first one is supplications. Now, I I will tell you this is something that we don't do very often. Let me just read you the definition is to beg, pray, entreat humbly, to present a humble petition. Now, I'll tell you, if you're a parent and you've got a sick child, you know how to supplicate to God. Sometimes God has to put us in difficult situations to get enough emotion stirred in our hearts that we would be serious about our prayers. So many times it's just, oh, dear God, bless everybody. You know, everybody doesn't need to be blessed. In fact, there's a few people out there that God should not and does not bless because what they're doing is against the Word of God. We need to be careful. We we need to understand that it is okay to allow ourselves to be burdened for things and to go to God in supplication, in earnest, begging prayer, not because that moves God. You see, we are emotionally driven beings, are we not? What we're doing is, when we get to this point of supplication, is we're allowing the difference between what the Bible says and what is going on in the circumstances that we are facing to affect our heart enough to drive us to our knees and to beg God for an answer. I challenge you, we go through life so much and our emotions are completely turned off to the things that they ought to be connected to and completely connected to the things that they ought not be connected to. How many of you ever cried during a movie? 
I mean, I'm all the time with my kids. They'll be talking about this. And I said, you know, who cares what imaginary said person did to imaginary said person that never existed? We get so uptight about these things. And we get so... And let me tell you, the music and the mood and, and you get that surround sound going and the big TV and you're sitting there just... You're not even in this world anymore. You're a part of that virtual reality that you've cre- or Hollywood has created in, in the movie. And, and uh, you are swept away and you don't think about anything. And, you know, every once in a while a little break isn't so bad. But if you live life on breaks... It's going to be hard to get anything done when you take a break from taking a break, if that makes any sense. And we never let ourselves get attached to the things that ought to be really pulling at our heartstrings because we're too busy wasting our emotion and our energy on things that really don't matter at all. You see, our new president isn't any more the answer than our old president was the problem. Unless you're on the other side of the perspective, then the old president is no more of an answer than the new president is the problem. It just depends on your perspective. And if you're really, really upset, one thing you need to stop and realize is that the things that the old president did that you were glad about upset a whole lot of people just as much, if not more, than the things that are making you upset about the new president. And if you don't get that, then your eyes are just closed to what's going on in this country. We have two Americas today. And they're completely separate and distinct. And there is no compromise between the positions And there is only one thing that you can do to help the situation. That's to pray. Not because prayer changes God. Prayer does not change God. God does not need to be changed. And I hope you never get tired of hearing me say that and remind you of that. Prayer changes me. Because when I take the time to allow my heart and my emotions to be affected and draw nigh to God, begging for an answer, I cannot help but be changed in a good way. You want to change society. It gets changed one person at a time. The laws don't change people. The Word of God changes people. The Bible says that godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, but the sorrow of this world worketh death. Let me tell you, hell is full of sorry people. I mean, uh, uh, the old-time Presbyterian preacher didn't understand much about hell, of course. He said their feet are going to be sticking out the windows. Uh, Hell doesn't have any windows, my friend. But I want you to understand that There's no one in hell today that's not sorry. 
The sorrow of this world worketh death. It says, but godly sorrow. What's, what's godly sorrow? Well, very simply, it's sadness or sorrow that's of a godly sort. What upsets God? And if you will let what upsets God upset you, you will learn the meaning of this first word here called supplication. I mean, it breaks my heart when I meet someone that thinks they know what the Bible says and it's just so utterly devoid of Bible knowledge whatsoever. It is, it is astounding. It, it cannot uh, be unpurposeful, it seems. As I've often said, you know, you have to go to college to be that dumb. It doesn't happen naturally. Somebody's got to help you and, and train you. Uh, and, and oftentimes, uh, that's what happens when we go and we seek higher education and, and enlightenment and higher learning is we are shut off to the simple truths that are in this book called the Bible. If everyone who thought they were going to heaven by trying to keep the Ten Commandments just tried to keep them, wouldn't this be a better world? It most certainly would. But supplications, it's allowing the difference between what's going on in earthly circumstances to what is said in God's Word to affect our heart and drive us to our knees and beg and plead with God. And if you love this country, that's where you ought to be. Then the next word is prayers. Oxford English Dictionary, not a Bible dictionary. A solemn, humble request to God or to an object of worship. A supplication, petition, thanksgiving, usually expressed in words. You know, as human beings, our emotions are not always correct. That's where prayer comes in. You see, the Word of God tells us how we ought to pray. I've often remarked that emotions are like little children. If you don't run them, they're going to run you. Emotion is the spice of life. Sometime you ought to just put on a pot of spaghetti sauce and don't put any spices in it. I'll tell you what, that's not very pleasing to the taste buds. In fact, my mouth goes dry just thinking about it. But have you ever eaten something where somebody put too much spice in it? That has some... Very detrimental effects on occasions, depending on the spice, and we won't go into all the gory details. But your life is not meant to be run on emotions. Yes, we'd have them. 
We're to let them affect us. We're to let them drive us to our knees. But we are also to be governed by an understanding of God's Word. What is right and what is wrong and simply and humbly request. It says as an object of worship, part of what we call worship is always been prayers. But what do people pray to? I met a guy one time, he says, I pray to the eternal nothingness. He says, I sit and I meditate and he says, I think about nothing. He said, can you do that? I said, no. He says, see, you're not as trained as I am. I was letting him lead me on a little bit. I'm sorry, little smart aleck, you have to forgive me, but... He keeps going on about this nothing, nothing, nothing. And finally, I said, you know, that's a bunch of nothing. (laughs) You know, the Bible gives me something to think about. It gives me an object to meditate on. See, this whole idea of nothingness and emptying myself is to create a vacuum so that you would take into your life that which you would never accept in a rational and normal world. If you have a vacuum, take a bottle and remove all the air and build up the pressure of vacuum in there, negative pressure, and pull off the cork or open that valve, whatever is on the other side is going to be drawn into it. The one little magic trick where you can take a bottle and invert it in a pool of water and it'll suck the water up in the bottle. All you have to do is light a little piece of napkin or paper and stuff it in the bottle. And as the paper burns, it burns out the oxygen and it'll suck the water right up into the bottle. I want to challenge you, if you'll accept that Buddhist myth of emptying yourself, What you're going to draw into your life is going to be the devil and his influences. He is the prince and power of the air. But if you will fill your life with the Lord Jesus Christ and his word, you're going to find the answers that you need. And you will learn how to pray according to the scripture because the scripture will be in you. Then we have intercessions is the next word. Definition. The action of interceding or pleading on behalf of, rarely against, another. Entreaty, solicitation, or prayer for another. Meditation. So, as Paul is giving these different words, he's giving us different views of our conversation with God. That conversation can be driven by emotions because we see the Word of God. We see the difference in it. And it breaks our hearts and it ought to. Prayer is understanding that God is the object of our worship and He deserves to be approached in the way that He has delineated or given to us in this book called the Bible. And we are to pray not only for ourselves, but for others. And then the last one, and giving of thanks. 
We have Thanksgiving Day in the United States. And in the public school system, you color little pictures of the pilgrims, and you're told to be thankful. But they wouldn't dare tell you whom to be thankful to. Because you're not allowed to mention God in the public schools. Unless you're anything but a born-again Christian or a Bible believer. Then you can talk about God all you want. You see, we come upon some situations in our life that are just plain terrible. The Bible says giving of thanks. In Thessalonians, Paul will explain to the Thessalonican church there, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Now, there are some things you can't give thanks for. You cannot be thankful for sin in your life. But you can be thankful for God's forgiveness. Amen? You say, but what happened to me was just terrible. Uh... Excuse me? Who would better be in control of the situation? You or God? Who is better equipped to deal with this terrible situation you find yourself in? You or God? You see, when I am thankful... I am turning over a situation to the power and authority of God and taking my hands off. That's what thankfulness is all about. You see, it's real easy to be thankful in a positive situation. Dear Lord, thank you for helping me pass that test. I didn't even study for it. I I didn't do anything. I forgot all about it and I passed it. Praise the Lord. That doesn't happen very often. Most of the time that law of reaping and sowing kicks in, doesn't it? And if you didn't sow the seed of study, you're not going to reap the rewards of answered questions on the test. But we're thankful when God does something we like. And usually we're very eager to take our hands off the situation and give God all the credit for something good he's done. Amen? Well, why can't we do the same thing when something bad happens? Because I don't like it. Well, I'm not trying to be smart aleck at all this morning, but who made you the determiner of right and wrong? Who gave you that authority? That belongs to God, by the way. And if we can trust Him, we can be thankful. Period. You see, this is what prayer is made out of. Prayer is made out of supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks. Part of prayer is praise. Worshiping God for who He is. That's why we pray to Him. That's why we don't pray to saints around here. We don't pray to any other person or being. We pray only to God the Father in Jesus' name, prayerfully under the influence of the Holy Spirit of God. 
That's how prayer is supposed to work. And Paul says, I exhort, therefore, that that prayers be made. And he lists supplications, prayers, intercession, giving of thanks. He says, for all men. You know, we have a right and a duty to pray, not only for ourselves and our church, but our society and our country and for the world in which we live. We have that duty that God has given us. Now look at the next verse, verse 2 here. For kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior. I want you to understand something. God is not against a prosperous society. God is not against good happening. What God is against is us redefining what good is and redefining what prosperity is. Prosperity is not just money in the bank, my friend. Because if you have $100,000 in the bank and $500,000 in debt, I want to challenge you. You are not well-to-do. You are only as well-to-do as you can keep ahead of the interest payments. And then you're going to be in the poorhouse. The, the Bible teaches us true prosperity, things that cannot be taken away. To have peace in your heart. To have peace with yourself. To be able not to be turned upside down when events happen. Not to be driven by the emotional rancor of our day to doing and saying outrageous and ridiculous things. The Bible says that we may live quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. Do you know there are some places in this world where you cannot be honest without drawing to yourself the ire of the government in which you live. Some of you used to live in countries like that. There was a time in New York City where if you owned buildings or property or doing the things that we're doing now and renovating buildings, you could not do it honestly in New York City. There had to be bribes. It was just part of the system. I'm thankful that that's been stopped. Does it still go on? Oh, I'm sure it does. But not like it did before. I actually met one of the guys that set fire to the record room in Queens because he's trying to cover up all of the, the, the scams and everything that they had done. And, and they had removed him to the old record room. And so they, they don't have this anymore, but it was a place where you go to find file folders that were ancient, not in use and he'd go leaping through the old dirty things and dust was rising and he'd bring you the... That's how I got the information on this building. And uh, the church in Brooklyn is too old for that. Uh, they, they didn't have a building department in 1863. 
And so uh, uh, we we look to these things, but we need to we need to understand something: the fact that you can live honestly, that when the police officer pulls you over, you know he's not asking for a bribe. It's not that way in most of the world. We need to be in prayer that it doesn't become that way here. We're only this far away. We've lost so much touch with this book called the Bible. You know, to live a godly life in our modern American society is really radical today, is it not? I don't know how many people have said, oh, i got to be careful at work. i got to keep my mouth shut. I can't talk about things. I can't put my Bible on my desk. I can't do things because of what everybody will say. Listen. We can still live in godliness, all godliness and honesty and All the laws that they have made permitting evil, they have not yet restricted righteousness. And by that, I mean they do not demand that you sin. They haven't done it yet. They're trying. And have tried time and time again. But praise God, there's something that has stopped it. Can I challenge you that something is a prayer of God's people? And when God's people stop praying, we will stop being able to live quiet and peaceable and honest lives. Many people live for Jesus in fear that someone will come. And read what's going on in India today. As the different, someone said, it's all Islam. No, you go to India, it's the Hindus that are murdering and killing people. They've broken into churches and dragged the preacher out in the streets and beat him half to death. That's happened on many occasions. Now, the government's trying to do something, I guess, whatever they can, but they do not have the basis of this book of the Bible between the difference between right and wrong, and so it's very hard for them to make solid decisions that change society. That's why you need to pray for this country. Amen? You need to pray for our new president like you've never prayed before. He will have more power and more ability to change things than any president in American history with possibly the exception of Abraham Lincoln. The executive branch of our government has never had the expansion of authority that it did under the Obama administration. Things that used to have to be passed and signed into law were just made by the right, the writ of the president's pen. That's not the way laws were meant to be made in this country. Laws were not meant to be adjudicated by the court system. Laws were meant to be written and passed by the people. 
You need to pray. Because things could happen, and I'm not a prophet. I don't know whether this president will be good. If he does half of what he says he's going to do, that sounds pretty good for, for this country. But we've all known that many men get in that White House and they don't do what they say they're going to do. And so we need to pray. You see, we need to understand that there is one God and one mediator between men, between God and man, men, the man, Christ Jesus. You see, God wants people to be saved. Verse 4, who will have all men to be saved and come and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. Now, that's promoted among some people a belief that everybody's eventually going to be saved and go to heaven. That's not what the Bible's saying because Jesus himself said that it is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth unto destruction and many be that go in thereat. He said, but straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth into life and few. God does not want any person to go to hell. But that's where most people are going to end up. Because God's people didn't get the message out like they should. See, when we pray the way we ought to pray, it changes the way we behave. When you get close enough to communicate with God on the level that He desires to be communicated with, it can't help but change everything about you. Prayer is the highest form of worship that you can engage in. It's not now I lay me down to sleep with my hot rod on the street. It is actually talking to God about real things in real people's lives, in our life. If I were to ask you how many of you could make a list of things that God needs to change in your life today, most of us wouldn't have a problem right now unless now, would we? Now, if I were to ask the wives in here, could you give me a list of things God needs to change in your husband? That's a different story. And vice versa. Or my brother, or my sister, or my father, or my mother. I mean, the, when it comes to somebody else, we can write an awful long list. But you see, that's not what prayer's about. Prayer's about taking care of my list first. See, if you're here and you're not saved, there's no guarantee that God's going to answer any of your prayers. Does God hear your prayers? He hears everybody's prayers. He's God. But that doesn't mean He's listening. But when you're saved, He has to listen. Because now you're his child. But just as a good parent says no, many more times than they say yes, it's because that little child needs to grow up and learn how to ask for things properly.
And the greatest reward that a child can give, the greatest treasure a child can give their, their parents is that when they're old enough to make their own decision, that they're a reflection of what their parents taught them. That is the greatest gift a child can give. And if you'll raise your children according to the Scripture, you can receive that gift. You see, there's only one standard. There's only one go-between. There's only one person that makes the connection between God and mankind, and that is the person of Jesus who gave Himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Now, what Paul means is we're supposed to tell people about Jesus. That's the whole purpose of this church. But I want to challenge you. That's what eternity is going to be about. As God is going to take those that have been saved one by one and use the changes that he made in their life and the answers to their prayers And he is going to use that as a testimony to how good he is. That's what eternity is for, my friend. Is to sing the praises and the glory and the goodness of God in our lives. Can we say amen to that? Now I wanted to finish this whole chapter. And I don't think I'm going to, because we're out of time, but I just want to touch on verse 8. I will, therefore, that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands, without wrath and doubting. In like manner also that the women. And so as we look here at these two verses, and then Paul goes on. Paul is not demeaning women in the last half of this chapter. What he is doing is he is giving the order of which God has ordained for society to work in. If I could just challenge you, and we'll maybe take up with this next week and and finish this chapter, but just to think about it this way. Adam was with Eve when she sinned. And Adam did nothing to protect her. And part of God's judgment was to make Adam the protector and to fulfill his responsibilities which he should have fulfilled without having to be told and delineated to him by God. See, if we believe in anything in this church, we believe one thing. We believe that God created men and women in His image. And that God wants men to be men. And He wants women to be women. And we believe in the right and the duty of a man to live in society in such a way that the women do not have to feel like they have to compete with men to get ahead or to get even. Ought not be that way. But it is. And one of the reasons it is is because we're not praying the way we ought to pray. You see, God is a God of love, not anger, malice, hatred. 
God doesn't want to step anybody down. He lifts us up. Everyone. But we have to follow His pattern, not ours. Not the world's. You see, if we want to live a quiet and peaceable life, we got to pray. There's an awful lot to pray for in this country right now. I mean, the list is burdensome. It ought to drive us to our knees. There are going to be so many pressures from so many directions. Just because one group lost the election does not mean they're going to stop pushing their agenda. Don't think that for one second. They're not going anywhere. And we need to pray like we've never prayed before. The Bible says supplications, prayers, intercession, giving of thanks. How does that match up with your prayer life? If we want God to change things, if we want God's blessings, we, we need to learn how to pray. And all God's people say Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you and we ask now that you would work in our hearts and lives. And Lord, this has primarily been a sermon to Christians. The goal of praying for our nation and our people. Lord, there are many fears and many questions and many doubts. Lord, we pray that we would take all of that energy that could be wasted on those things and put it into prayer into intercession and supplication. And yes, Lord, that we would never forget to give thanks to you. We ask that you would carry these burdens which would crush us and destroy us. And Lord, we pray that we would be able to live quiet and peaceable lives with all godliness and honesty, even today in 2017. In New York City. Lord, we ask that you would work, that you may be glorified in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As Andrew comes to lead the hymn of invitation, if you need to come, now is the time to spend some time in prayer at an old fashioned altar. If you're not